I stood up before even they started singing, but you know what? I just felt like it anyhow. <laughs> I'm sorry, every once in a while I actually come to worship. <laughs> you know, I have that kind of God. God has been good to me anyhow, and so you know, that's why I come here. And you thought it was the money I made. <laughs> no, it's really the God thing. All right, you know, it's this anyhow God. It's the deal. It's the anyhow God. We are at the third of our five-part series of spiritual practices that produce a fruitful life. Some of us already got a head start on that part. <laughs> That's a joke, y'all. Fruitful life, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, five practices of folks who are interested and having a life that shows forth this joy in this anyhow God. You know, when we started a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the practice of radical hospitality. We're talking about a God that's an anyhow God, right? A God that first loved us, that loved us so much that we couldn't even comprehend how much it would be, and that dog, that dog, <laughs> oh, God, dog, all right. That God is knocking on the door and asking, Will you let me in? And once we start to realize the grace of this anyhow God, we open the door and we say, come on in, all in. And so we practice radical hospitality, welcoming God into all of us. And that's the first practice that we talked about. And then the second week, uh, we were able to talk about what happens when we let that God in. We are so overwhelmed with the sense of that anyhow God kind of love that we have to just love God back. It just starts to come up in the practice of passionate worship. And we're talking any kind of worship. We're talking singing and dancing, but we're talking passing the baskets. We're talking picking up after service. We're talking praying and preaching. We're talking welcoming new folks any kind of way we can. We are passionately worshiping our God, and not just on Sunday, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and morning and noon and night, any time, any place, any way we can, we are practicing passionate worship, loving God back, who so loves us. And so this anyhow kind of God and this anyhow kind of love, it is changing our lives. And it is very good. It is so very good. So why isn't that enough? I mean, that sounds pretty good. God loves us anyhow. God comes in and changes our lives and we are filled with a kind of joy that can't be held back and we start to move out in that love and praise and worship. Our lives are being changed by the goodness of God, specifically by the grace of God. And so, where are we anyhow? <laughs> now. For some of us, that's exactly where we are. It's a five-part series. Some of us are still at that first part, hearing God's knocking and learning about God's grace. Some of us are in the second part, 
learning how to actually let ourselves get up and start dancing before the music starts, uh, the singing. You know, we're, we're practicing worshiping in spirit and in truth, live, passionate. Some of us have been doing some of those things for a while, and it's good, and we're good, and we're almost afraid to acknowledge, much less say out loud, but is this it? Is this the whole deal? I mean, it's good and all. It's good. But is this it? Are we done now? There's a feeling underneath like there might be something more, there could be something more, maybe I'm just missing a little something, but it's not that big of a deal because it's all good. But it's under there, a little bit. We might be like those people who are gathering with John, waiting expectantly and wondering in our hearts if this might be the Messiah. Is this the thing we've been waiting for? Is this the thing we've been looking to get saved by? I mean, it's good. Is this it? But John answers saying, I baptize you in water. But one is coming who is more powerful than I. This one will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. A winnowing fan is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into the granary. And the chaff, it'll be burnt in unquenchable fire. Hmm. Hmm. Ready? Ready? Here's what's next. Looks good, huh? Standing there at that threshing room doorway. Here's what's next. I don't know about you, but baptism by water felt pretty good. <laughs> baptism by water felt pretty good. Changed my life. But did it transform me? What's going on in me still? What am I bringing forth still into this new life? And how does that get touched? Threshing room. There we go. That's how it gets touched. The threshing room doorway is where we are. How you know if you might be at the threshing room doorway? that you are there at that stage is maybe you're a little bit bored lately, just a little bit, with church or your spiritual life. The prayers are seeming same old. Celebration's nice, but it's not making you feel like it used to. You're feeling just a little bit like it's all the same stuff again, and it's fine, but it's like eating chocolate pudding every day. You know, it's good, but after a while, you may be at the threshing room door if you are feeling irritated and jealous of people who seem to have a very exciting spiritual life. You know, you know, right? The people who you have a sense, their love for God and something is happening in them and you can't quite figure it out and you don't have it. And you don't know why they do. And you don't and you can't talk about it. 
but you're irritated. Or maybe you are at the threshing room doorway in a different way. Somehow you're just going along, everything's just fine, but something inside you wakes you up at night. Something inside you gets it in your head and you can't get it out that says some little kind of way over and over and over, there's something more for you. There's something more for you. There's something more for you. And it won't let you rest. You might be at the threshing room door if you're having a sense in your heart that as surprising and strange as it may seem, you feel like God might be calling you. You don't know what it means. You don't know why or to what. You don't even want to talk about it because it sounds stupid and maybe arrogant. But something in you feels like maybe God is talking to me. You're probably at the threshing room doorway. Right. Because oh. we look in the threshing room doorway and what do we see? We see Jesus standing there with the winnowing fan, tossing all the grains up in the air, tossing, 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 so that the husks will get sh you know, scraped against each other. They'll pop off the wheat so the wheat grains will fall, and the extra husky stuff, the chaff, will get blown off. And the wind is coming through, and it's moving some of that extra stuff into the fire and burning it up. And we're looking in there and saying, that's the next step. Yeah, that's called intentional spiritual transformation. That's what's right before us. Intentional spiritual transformation. It's a fancy word, a phrase, of asking you, so, are you going to step in anyhow? That's all it is. It's, you have a choice before you. You've been feeling good. It feels good. And you can keep feeling good to a point. However, there comes a time and a place where the question will get put to you, how free do you want to be? Because there's a difference between feeling good, feeling better, feeling happy, and being free. There's a difference between knowing that God loves me and feeling blessed and sharing that blessing, and having my very being transformed by a living relationship with a God that's gotten so into me that I don't have room for myself anymore. That is the threshing room door. That's where all the husky stuff, my outside mask, all my other motives, all the other stuff I'm holding on to, everything on the outside is getting scraped back and forth and back and forth and back and forth so we can get burned up by the God who brings a fire to that. Why? So that all that's left is the heart of my heart, the wheat, the thing that God made me to be. So that's all that God has left of me, the truth the presence of my authentic self in relationship with God. That's the call. That's the deal. The question is, intentional means a choice. Will we choose to step in to the threshing room and let it happen? The question is, how free do you want to be? Because we all have the stuff that's on the outside that's holding us back. And that's okay. 
part of the process, but there comes a time where it's not okay anymore. And if you're there, you know it. Not something I can tell you, not something somebody else can tell you. The invitation from God is not get rid of all that stuff because you're bad. The invitation from God is you are so darn good and why? Why do you hold on to all that other junk? Let it go, let it go, let it go. You don't need it. You don't need to have all that money. You don't need to be a big shot. You don't need to be in control. You don't need to be needed. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be anything other than what I have created you to be. Let it go. And this is the invitation of God. If it's getting between me and God, this threshing room place is where God says, give it up. Why? Because God loves you so much more than being willing to let you settle for anything less than the fullness of a real relationship with God. And this is where I get intense about that Jeremiah scripture. I mean, I want this for myself. I care about this. I do this. This matters to me. But it matters to me, honestly, almost as much for you as it does for myself. I am passionate about you knowing the truth of how much God loves you and how beautifully made you are in God. And I am interested, absolutely passionately interested, that you get to discover that for yourself. Because in the scripture from Jeremiah, what do we hear? We hear God saying, how many times people step up and they start talking for me. They have dreams about what God thinks. And they have dreams about what God has to say. And they start telling those dreams and those ideas in their heads to other people. They tell my people who I think they are. And they don't know. God says, is not my word good enough for you? Can you not tell the difference between straw and wheat? Let me feed you. You don't need to be listening to those People who speak for themselves but say they are speaking on behalf of God, who are going to tell you who God is and what God is for you. I'm including myself in this. I'm including any person who would presume to tell you the truth about your own personal relationship with God, to speak on God's behalf. The scripture says that this is a God who is going to bathe with fire and have a word like a hammer to break open the hard places in us, to take away anything that stands between us and a personal knowledge of who and what God really is for God's people. The catch is we got to participate. If I'm not showing up in relationship with God, how do I know what God is really saying to me? How do I know if somebody else is speaking truth or lies on God's behalf? You, people of God, are being invited to a freedom and a truth and a belovedness and an intimacy with God that simply requires that you say, yeah, I'll show up at the threshing room and see what happens there. So what's that mean? Sounds good. What's that mean? It means that whatever part in us that is experiencing that stuff I talked about earlier, 
whether it's the boredom or the irritation or the nudge or the call, that we start paying attention. And we make a decision in response to that, intentional choice. We choose to do something. And then we take action on that choice so that God's action can be welcomed in to the deep and true parts of our very lives. But we have to make the choice and take the action. We're talking spiritual discipline here. Yes, for you. This is not something that's just for priests and people with long hair that hang out in the desert. This is not just for people who walk around in robes and sing and chant things that we can't understand. This is not for them. Are you not God's people? All right then, it's that simple. You are God's people and God is inviting you into a personal and real intimate relationship with God. And God will meet you wherever you are. Wherever you are, I am not joking. The best spiritual disciplines that I have ever experienced began in the messiest place of my junk. The spiritual discipline of not taking a drink or a drug one day at a time showed up when I showed up in the place where I couldn't stop doing that and said, God, help me. And God met me there. That may be your story, it may not. I could not seem to have a relationship where I would let somebody else get close to me. I wanted to. I wanted to love and be loved. I wanted to know my belovedness and experience that with somebody else, but I couldn't. I have a whole bunch of stuff, all that chaff from my childhood and my background and all the things that I had learned, and I had to show up right there and start praying with my partner. Felt weird, strange, bizarre. What is this? But we started praying together at night. We'd hold hands and just say, God, bless us and our relationship with each other, and you know what? God showed up there and continues to show up there, and God does. This is not tricky stuff. How many of you have habits? Any kind. <laughs> How many of you have a habit of any sort? <laughs> you wash your face in the mornings regularly. You shower regularly. Come on. You all have a habit of something, right? All that you do with a habit is what? You do a particular behavior consistently, with commitment, and persistence. That's pretty much what a habit is. I go to this Starbucks, I wait for that barista, I order my chai latte, and I get that every third day because that's according to my budget. <laughs> this is a habit. That's all. I just do it regularly and I continue to do it. What's the difference between a habit and a spiritual discipline? A very simple thing. All it is is the same thing, only we direct it toward God. That's it. Our intention in the habit is, here's the place I'm going to show up with God. I'm going to give this to God. Every morning when I get up and have my chai latte, I'm going to give 10 minutes to reading a daily devotional. As regularly as I order the latte, I read the devotional. And I give my day to God. That's it, spiritual discipline. I make a choice, take an action, and follow through with it. God will meet me there. It is as simple as, I'm gonna open my bulletin today. 
look at the different classes and offerings that are taking place. And I'm going to clear my calendar for Wednesday nights and just show up and take a class. I'm not going to try and figure it out. I'm not going to keep de debating whether that works with my schedule. I'm going to make it work for my schedule and show up on Wednesday nights, period, end of story. And I'm going to give whatever happens there to God. I'm going to look at that little commitment card that's in our bulletin. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to give 20 bucks a week to God. Not because I understand how that works, not because I feel okay about it, but because I don't, and I believe God will teach me if I take the action. So I'm going to check the box, and I'm going to do it, and every week I'm just going to give 20 bucks to God. And I'm going to see what happens, because I'm giving it to God. You see, God will meet us where we are, but we have to show up there first. We have to show up. God cannot meet us somewhere we're not. So spiritual discipline, intentional spiritual transformation is simply this. It is a habit we choose right where we are. Give it to God and keep with it long enough so that God can get in there with us and start to transform us from the inside out. Do we know what's going to happen? No, that's the point. Do we know why it helps? No, we just trust. Do we know how long we're going to do it? Not necessarily. Sometimes you do fast for, you know, a week, or sometimes you make a commitment to pray a certain way for a season. It doesn't matter. Just be specific, follow through, and do it. And trust that God will do what God does. I want to share with you a short story about doing this, especially those of you that already do this, those little things that I already said, you can take it up a notch, okay? Those of you that have already done your 10 minutes devotional and you pray 10 minutes in the morning and the night, there's a whole nother level of spiritual disciplines that we can undertake. There are things like concerted study and prayer. There are things like silent retreats. There are things like fasting. There are things like ongoing spiritual discernment with another partner. There are other commitments we can make. There are tons of things. Nobody ever stops growing. At least that's not my experience. I want to tell you that about 10 years ago, a little bit over, I was working in uh, the church in New York, and a pastor from MCC San Francisco, who was a friend and a mentor of mine, Reverend Penny Nixon, came. And she saw how worn thin I was and how struggling I was, and she gave me a book called Sabbath. It was about, what do you think? It was about Sabbath, <laughs> keeping the Sabbath. And it was very simple. The book was saying over and over and over again, this commandment isn't there for nothing. It's the first commandment in the Ten Commandments that makes possible all the other nine. That it's the main part of the great commandment that says love God with everything you have. Give it all to God for a little bit of time so you can love your neighbor as yourself. It's the thing that makes everything else work. That's what the book said. And when I opened the book, my life was so crazy, so extended, so run thin, that I couldn't even comprehend giving 24 hours to God without doing anything else. But when I read it, I started weeping. I knew I needed to in my soul. I will tell you that I just kept reading that book. That was the commitment I could make. I could not, at that time, change my life. I wasn't capable, and I wasn't ready. 
but I kept reading that book. And for 10 years, I kept that book on my nightstand. I would keep it with me when I went on retreat. I would just keep it with me as the light and the hope of the discipline that I knew I needed to take and that I was asking God to meet me where I was, which was just in my hope alone. It took 10 years. Today, I practice a Sabbath practice. From Thursday night at sundown to Friday night at sundown, I spend a day where I turn off my telephone and my TV and my computer and I shut down all that stuff and I don't make plans and I don't do anything except when my partner's in town, we together do and we have a simple meal and everything we do, we give to God for 24 hours. We thank God for the food and for the shelter and for the sunshine and for the water and the peace and the community of faith. We thank God for our health and for one another. We thank God for every single blessing because blessed are you, Adonai, our God, creator of the universe, for you provide every single thing that makes my life possible. And it is the keeping of the Sabbath that has enabled me to experience that truth. I knew the truth but I now experience that truth on a weekly basis, that all of my needs are provided for by God. I used to know it. Now I really experience it, and it's changing my life. That's the point of everything I'm saying. I'm not telling you you need to practice Sabbath. If you do, you do. That's between you and God. What I am saying is whatever you need to practice, you'll know it. The choice is yours. Will you say yes and show up in it? and let it happen to you so that you can move from believing in God, knowing about God, to being known by God, and having a living experience of God. Because when all is said and done, that's the point anyhow.